Hello everyone and welcome to the All In Football Fancy Premier League podcast season review. It's episode 33 and I am Alex Rex, the FPL guru, and joining me today are the usual suspects, fresh off his fourth place in the All In Podcast League, Tom Hughes and Scott Williams. How are you doing today, Scotty? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, I'm happy. You know, top, top 11 is what I wanted at the start of the season. So yeah, <laughs> that was that was the aim. That was the aim from yeah. the start. Yeah. Um, well, today I've got some uh, quite random awards that we'll do sporadically. It's all right, Tom, don't worry. It's like we're live. That's what it is. Um, but no. we'll do, uh, I've got some awards that we'll do sporadically. I'm really hoping to get um, the winner of the FPL League or in podcast league on for a quick interview during this. Um, hopefully be joining us, I don't know, somewhere about 15, 20 minutes in. Uh, and then if possible as well, I'll try and uh, see if we can uh, catch a few questions from uh, from Barry Stokes, the winner of the All In Football Podcast Cup. But yeah, the, uh, the the process today, lads, is we're just going to talk through the season and uh, and have a little, uh, little bit of a, a reminisce. Uh, I've got some stats to throw in there as well. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll finish off by reviewing game week 38. I think that's the best place to start. And the manager of the week was Mr. Dan Clark. 97 points. How about that for a, for a top-class game week? Um, he uh, had Son Captain Kulazeski Kane and uh, got on the Madison train last minute as well. So well done to, uh, to Dan Clark for uh, being manager of the week for the last game week. And then we've got to congratulate, hopefully be on in a bit, but Barry Stokes, our manager of the month for May. So well done, Barry, and well done to, uh, to DC. The person who had the most manager of the month awards, though, this season, the only person to have two manager of the month awards. Wow. The only person, as I said just before we logged on, back when you were good, Tom, in, was it November and this, was it November and December? It was November and December. Um, back when it, I went good. What back happened? When, back when Tom was... Uh, Tom I was, was better than you all season, Alex, so you should watch your comments there. You know, my overall points total, I'm not sure if you know, but it was 60 points ahead of yours. And that's despite you trying to derail me with Lucas Mora. So, um, I did my best, but unfortunately you ignored, <laughs> you ignored me for that one. Um, you should, you should, have, uh, should have stayed listening. But yeah, you, uh, you had a, a season rank high at game week 20 at 13,151 finished off at 53k still an incredibly good season out of 9 million but uh, well why don't we start with you Tom talk about your highs and lows what was your your biggest success of the season let's start with the with the positives my biggest success of the season was I only forgot to do my team once this year which anyone who knows me will know that that's nothing short of a miracle because Normally in fantasy football, I do my team probably like five times a year. So the first season where I've actually paid attention, I've only missed it once. I'm pretty happy with that. So, and that's probably the piece, isn't it? It's consistency. I think my high, my high is at one point midway through a game week. It's probably the one that you were just talking about there. I think I was actually like eight thousand in the world. Um, so I actually broke into that top ten k at one point. My low point is probably just a little bit annoyed at some of the choices I made at that later stage of the season, just those small ones, you know, when everyone got Robbo in, I stuck with Trent and actually if I'd have gone with Robbo, to be honest, that would have probably made the difference between me coming top and me finishing second, a couple of sloppy captaincy picks. Um, 
yeah, that's it's it really. Apart from that, I don't, I really, I'll be honest, now it's over, I would have rather won, obviously, but I'm not, uh, I'm not too upset about it because actually that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good year for me, so I'm happy with it. He has just had to put two weeks off work though. <laughs> recover, <laughs> mentally recover for a bit, yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting you say about captaincy picks because I had a look at our captaincy success rate and out of the three of us, who do you think had the best captaincy success rate this season in terms of returns? Out of the three of us. Naturally, you think it would be me with the highest points, but I'm guessing the fact that you've asked um, it's going to be Scott. I'm going to guess me because there's a couple yeah. of weeks where I've smashed it and then every other week we went very similar. So. Scott, in t- it was definitely, I mean, you tw- 29 correct captaincies. In terms of your captaincy points, you got 758 points from your captain. Um, Adrian, who won, only got 784. And, you know, Tom got 672. I got 656. You were, miles, yeah, you, were, you were miles ahead of us in terms of, like, getting your captains right. 29 out of 38 captaincy picks correct. Tom, you were at 25. I was at 24. The podcast team, funnily enough, got 29. Same as you, Scott. Um, and it, it's it's interesting you say that because Adrian got twenty nine, is it in terms of set, successful captaincy picks? So yeah, it, it's it does make it's not the the ultimate difference, but it does make a a, a big big difference. Um, one of the things I did find interesting uh, about the pod team, my team, and um, your team, Scott, was our most. Uh, common formations that we used during the season. Now, if we had to talk about the players that did the best, for example, you'd be thinking about midfielders and defenders this year. There's only two two strikers that made the top 20 in terms of um, points returns, which are Harry Kane and Ronaldo. And Kane only scored one goal before game week 18. That's how good his second half of the season was. Um, and Ronaldo kept getting hat-trick, nothing, 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 hat-trick. That just seemed to be how he, how he played it. Um, but our most common formations, 4-5-1, four, three, four, and 3-4-3 three, three for me. For the podcast, it was 3-4-3 three, three and 3-5-2. Three, and for you, Scott, it was 3-4-3 three, three and 3-5-2 three, again. It feels like we didn't, we didn't make the shift quick enough. Tom, 4-5-1, your most common formation, and then a 4-4-2. Four, four, it feels like we didn't make the shift, whereas the world number one, Jamie Piggott, who won Fantasy Premier League this year with Footballers Live, his two most common formations were 4-5-1 and 4-4-2. So I think that was, I mean, I've gone for you. You've had amazing captaincy picks, but the rest of your team was probably too weighted forward, where it should have been maybe a bit more towards the defence. Um, and Tom, you know, for, for yours, even though you didn't have the best captaincy picks, you probably had the better picks surrounding in terms of... If we could have combined mine and Scott's, my formation and Scott's captain picks, we'd have been, uh, we'd have smashed it basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah exactly. Football. Well, yeah. You're, 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 <laughs> we'd have definitely done it better. Um, out of the, the 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 three of us, I'll do. I'll, this, this is uh, this is one that I know that you two will absolutely love. That I'll bring this one up. But who do you think had the most auto sub points in? So I'm players, you, you players you started on the bench. <laughs> Tom for <laughs> Smith Rowe. Just Smith Rowe, isn't it? <laughs> Smith Rowe, Ian Acho. <laughs> yeah. One oh. of those two. So the, so the world number one had 44, for an example. I had 31. Uh, the podcast team had 36. Tom, you had 78 points. <laughs> wow. You're laughing at that. You're laughing as if it's a bad thing. But, that just means I've got a really good first sub, right? But 
But this is one where I think someone will be surprised on this podcast. Scott, you had 67. Yeah. That was pretty high. That was a big laugh, Scott, to say what <laughs> was only like four points behind me. Oh, yeah. can't, it's, this guy's got, he's got a master's. He doesn't yeah, the difference. nine point difference. Was it, was diff- it 71? Well, you were 79. 78, 78, 78. The difference between mine and yours, though, Tom, was mine, unfortunately, my players got rotated, whereas yours is just luck off the bench. I just, it was, it was, (laughs) I'm not even, I don't even, I'm not going to rise to that one. Love it. Do you know the person who had the least out of like the top lot was Jeff? I'm doing a 15. So it, it's it's amazing sometimes how it ends up ends up working out. But I think uh, for, I think for me that shows how much I was maybe gambling a bit on reputation risk players. And, and I would if I was in your spot again. I think that makes it does make sense. Um, and the thing is, there's nothing wrong with auto sub points. I preach a strong bench. That's something that I, I I'm I'm from a from a bit of a different area in the fantasy community. Um, I preach like have players on your bench that play, whereas quite a lot of people they they don't do that so much. But it really pays off seventy eight points from the fact that you have the right bench players. I think that, that's a lot. <laughs> I, I think what I'll say on that is there was I thought about taking Smith Rowe out a lot, but he kept coming on and scoring goals. <laughs> so would it have been more idiotic for me to take him out? I was like, I don't know. He wasn't starting, so he was my first sub. But then when he would come on, he would score. So it was it was yeah, that week for me. It was that week for me where you bemoan in your luck because someone, someone didn't play, and then Smith Rowe came on and got like two goals in like ten minutes, which was you know it's really unlucky than really lucky. It's proper like that. I know, and that's fantasy football, though, isn't it? I you think, moan about one thing, and then something else happens. So I think looking ahead to next season as well, um, you say that, Alex. I think a bench is going to be less important at all next year with five substitutes. The likelihood big, of your eleven playing is going to be so high, isn't it? Even if they come on for minutes, yeah, yeah. It, it is a, it's a huge increase. It's you get an expanded bench with five subs as well. Like, do they add two players onto the size of the bench, or it's the same size bench? No, they got a big bench in a way, haven't they? Right. I, think. Think. Okay. I don't know. Uh, maybe I didn't know the answer. It's good. No, you're right. I think that's. I think that is the case. Um, just to touch on the final thing on the bench, and then we'll 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 get Adrian Adrian's in our waiting room, ready to uh, to rock and roll with a few questions for the uh, for the champs, and I'll get him on. Um, the the most successful game week out of anyone in our mini league was Tom in game week eleven, where he came six and a half thousandth in the world out of nine million managers in that one game week, and that was the best game week that of, of in game week eleven, and that was the one where I don't know if you remember, but he, you had Markal that was playing, and then he didn't play, and then you had Smith Rowe come on, didn't you? I think was it Smith Rowe mm-hmm. came on for the eight points. You got eighty three points that week, um, which actually isn't that high of a total in a single game week. But it was one of those weeks where everybody did rubbish and you just had like a great week, um, 83 points. But yeah, game week 11 for Tom was the best game week for, for the per rank. For the I'm, getting all these, I'm getting all these records and the one that I really wanted, Jeff Scott. So. <laughs> well, Jeff won the money, Lee, but the man who... Jeff, gonna get take my manager to the month and take my highest game week. I don't care. The man we're going to get in now, who I will just admit to uh, to this and see, hopefully this will run relatively seamlessly, but I'm, I'm not sure it will, but we'll try this. Um, let me just admit him in. We are in. I'll send him. So I just thought to my game week 11, Scott, 53 points. First sub, 12 points. Didn't come on. 
<laughs> I've got um, one the, uh, oh, here he is. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, oh, he's not worn his Liverpool shirt, has he? Oh, are we chaps? <laughs> well. There'll be, there'll be plenty of Liverpool chat in this, don't you worry. <laughs> well, this is why we're going to try to keep it to 10 minutes, Aid. <laughs> You'll do well. I've got a lot to say. Oh, congratulations. The champ is in the house. Um, you Thank beat you. off some pretty strong competition to win the, the mini league, it has to be said. Um, Gav is, has got a, a pretty incredible fantasy record. He's only ever finished outside the top 100,000 once ever. And uh, you managed to hold him off and winning the league. Um, what, what's your experience in FPL? Let's start off with that. What do, how, how long have you played for? Well, I figured them other lads must have had some, some big, <laughs> big seasons behind them with the lack of respect I felt I was getting at the start of the season. But, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, in fairness to you guys, it has been relatively amateur in the past. Um, forgetting game weeks, just kind of having little bets with mates that were also pretty poor at fantasy football. Um, beating them, in fairness. But, but yeah, very limited. Um, having little bets with you, in fairness. Not head-to-head because yeah. you always battered me, but in certain ways um so yeah relatively poor experience i would say yeah well it's uh it's been great to, to, that you've been uh listening to the pod and thanks for participating as well in the um the the instagram polls etc it's been appreciated and it's always great to see you beat your good mate david byrne uh Absolutely. by a long way by, by a long way and uh just before we move on to any more questions um the uh the, the player this season that had the most points, because we've just been talking about benches um, on the podcast, the player this season that had left the most points on the bench was David Byrne in game week 28. He left the grand total of 36 points on his bench <laughs> one week, which is absolute madness. Um, and he just wildcarded that week. And his bench was Trent, Saka and Kulazewski with Ramsdale. Sounds he- wrong. Well, he put he put the he started other players who had double game weeks in twenty eight. Uh, That's why, and he had Havertz captain for fifty two points. But uh, he started like Max Kilman for one and Brozier for four over Trent and Saka. Anyway. Jesus. That's a that's a that's a fun one to needle him about next time we see him at football. Um, what I think in every season when you do really well, there's always a moment where a week goes really well for you, or maybe a couple of weeks have gone really, really well for you. What's that? Was there a moment this season that way, which propelled you up the table? Well, you asked me this yesterday, and the one, I don't know if it was this moment, I think I was already, already doing all right at this moment, but the one that kind of stuck out for me, a captain Cancela, uh, he got a goal and assist that week, and it was a big differential at the time, before captain Cancela became cool, really. Um, and I had a bit of a stinker, I think, at the start of the week, and that was a Sunday game, if I remember it right, and it just changed the game week for me, I think. Um, so I'd say that was probably the biggest moment that I remember, in fairness. Was that um, was that the Newcastle goal? Was that the one where he scored from, like, miles out and he banged it? I can't... I, which... um, I think so. He got a goal and assist that game week. Uh, it must have been about halfway through the season, I would say. I, I think I took him out that week. <laughs> that was the uh, that was that was when we were on the trend of do what do whatever Scott doesn't do or don't do what he does do. There we go. It worked well. <laughs> um, lesson learned. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from this season in terms of FPL? Well, you mentioned David Burns' wild card there. His biggest player of it in that was actually my tip of Havertz. He was going to put Mason Mountain. 
I did not put Havertz in and Havertz banged for about five weeks in a row after that. So I guess it's kind of trust my gut and take my own advice, I think. Yeah. I yeah, kind of backed off it, waited a little bit, and by the time I got him in, he stopped performing. So yeah, take my own advice, I think. Boys, uh, that's, that, that's yeah. good advice actually because I was going to bring Eddie and Ketty in and Alex talked me out of it and then brought him in two weeks later. So, the thing is, that I still, I I still like brought that, him in. I agree. I, I, but you brought him in, you waited a couple of weeks, you put him off, you put me off him, so I couldn't get him in. I think that was when I was going to bring Eddie and Ketty and Matt in and they both scored in that. It was a double, wasn't it? And they both scored. They got like quite high points and the two people I brought in got like a combined total of six. So thanks for that one. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, you, you said I'll bring him in. I said, don't do it. He blanked for the two get next two game weeks. I was right. And then, um, and then I got him in yeah. and he banged. And that's just that. Just, the, the it's, never, it's never about the first game week. It's about five, isn't it? You make subs for five game weeks most of the time. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Um, would you say that combines in with your biggest mistake, Aid, not bringing Havertz, or was there any other Ooh. mistakes that stood out for you? That certainly wasn't my biggest mistake. I mean, that I, I had players that kind of made up for him, so it wasn't the end of the world. I'd say an obvious big mistake was a Dennis captain. I'd imagine you'll you'll hear that <laughs> a lot. Was the double game week minus two? He was he was one of my men in that. I think that was also a free hit to get him in for that. So yeah, that was a bad game week. Um, but I think my biggest mistake. So the January wildcard. Um, so Ronaldo and Lukaku come in, huge names. I was a bit scared of them, but didn't really back them at the same time. Like I watched Lukaku play Liverpool, and it was like his third game or something, and he looked awful. He looked like a terrible player. But I brought him in anyway, like I brought Ronaldo in, and they both didn't perform. Um, you sent me my, my stats yesterday with my sort of normal formations and I do always back a one up front because I just feel like you might as well have 10 spent on a midfielder who scores loads of goals than 10 spent on a striker who scores loads of goals because they get more points but I went against again my own advice on this one spent all my money on them two donkeys and, and there I was and if I, th- I think if I didn't do that and put a De Bruyne in instead game changer probably top 10k easy um, yeah, so that's probably my biggest mistake. Them two. I In fairness, a, there, so. a lot of people did that double up at the time, though, didn't they? Yeah. There was a lot of people going top heavy on the strikers. So, you know, there was people with Lukaku, Ronaldo, Lukaku, Kane, like everyone was doing it. So I think there was a, because I remember on one of the podcasts we were doing, we were talking about it and we were saying, is it time to go heavy up top? Um, so it wasn't like you were alone in that. I think a lot of people made that decision. Yeah, I like to pull away from most people. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting that because it because at the same time like everyone was banging on about Kane 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 he'll do it he'll do it um and he didn't use to say said this before he scored one goal before game week eighteen his second half of the season was insane I think we were all just sort of waiting for that to happen with like Lukaku and wait for that to happen with Ronaldo and then Ronaldo was just get a hat trick and then do nothing and Lukaku mm. just never. I mean, after the interview where he said he wished he was still into yeah. Milan or whatever, I mean, he was just never coming in our teams after that, really. But um, yeah, it, everyone was too, too scared of scared of missing out rather than yeah, going for that's what exactly they, what it was. Yeah, what they, what they thought they they should have done. Um, your favourite player that you have this season? It's an obvious one. Go on, Mo Salah, best player in the world. <laughs> 
Oh, he's gone for Salah. Such a dull pick. I thought you'd go for Yeah, Salah. I know. Don't worry. I have, I have got some backup because I knew that would be a dull pick. Um, I think a very, very strange one for me. And he's my best player because I didn't have him in much because I really, really dislike him. And he performed every single time I had him in. So I had Bruno Fernandes in game week one. Took him out after that. Banged then. And I think on my two free hits, I had him in as well. And he banged both times. So fair play to him. He's still a whining little rat, but fair play to him. It was gonna, I thought it was going to be him or Kane then from you. I didn't know which one you were going to be fair, for. With the Liverpool links, I can't really talk too much badly about Kane at the moment. So. Well, now that Mane is going, isn't he, apparently? Exactly. Um, who was the biggest troll? Who was the person you put um, in your team? That's again, an obvious, an obvious answer would be Dennis. Um, but because that's an obvious answer, I'm going to say Reese James. I, great shout. Great yeah. shout. Yeah, I avoided him every single game week as well. <laughs> I did the exact. Uh, do you know what? I did the exact same thing. I think I saw he had a little run where he scored and assisted. Probably yeah. he got at least two attacking returns in two back-to-back games. I brought him yeah. straight in after that. And like you say, he just went on a run of blanks. Did uh, it was there. ridiculous. Yeah, I had Chilwell instead of James at first, which wasn't the worst thing. And then Chilwell got injured, brought in James, and he stopped performing. And then I did it again in the second half of the season. So. The, I wanted to ask just on, on the stats that I had. Uh, I didn't drop this into yesterday, so I should maybe drop this question on you. But you, in terms of hits that you took this season, so you took by far as well from the least amount of transfer point hits. So you took minus 24. Gav, who was behind you, took minus 68. Tom, you took minus 64. I took um, minus 40. And Scott, you took minus 72, but I know you were trying to catch up for obvious obvious reasons. So it was the right thing to do to try and gamble on the hits. But was that a conscious thing? Were you did you avoid making a transfer because it was because you would hit or because you would have to take an extra? Or was it did you, was you just team in a right in the right state and right position? A bit of both. I like to, I mean, like we said earlier on, make transfers for kind of a long term, but also. I kind of don't want to take a player out that's going to then bang that game week. So I'm scared of doing it. So I'd rather keep him in than take a minus four because at the end of the day, it is a game of luck. So having, I don't know, a, what's a good example here? A Madison in. There's a very good chance he's going to do well in a game week. So I don't really want to take a minus four and take him out. If you get what I mean there. Um, So yeah. that's kind of my thought process behind it. Unless he's injured or unless there's a player that's got loads of doubles coming up, I'm probably just going to keep him in at the end of the day. I suppose that's, that's, a, that's a, it's a good point, isn't it? Because you're making transfers for the longer term. So mm. be patient with them because you brought them in for a reason. So don't take them out just sort of knee-jerk because like Madders as, Madison, as classic as he is, played one game, then missed two. Then yeah. played another three. Um, his points, his points, minutes per point, by the way, this season is in the top ten out of anybody in both halves of the season. Like when he plays, he's he's one of the most ridiculous numbers. Actually, top ten players in FPL in both halves of the season. Mad. But um, I think he'll be a big player next year. He'll be a big player for me next year. I think, especially if Vardy can stay fit. We talked about this on the pod, didn't we, Scott? Before we were, we talked about if he stays fit with no European football next season, mm. seems like the sort of player that we would have in most of our teams. Well, he's yeah. got, got a chance of the World Cup as well, so he's going to 
be performing. And uh, and value as well. I think he, he, when we look at price hikes for players, he's not one that's going to go up loads. I think he's going to have mm. snuck under the radar a little bit for FPL. So let's stop talking about him. So now every, all, yeah. the, all the ivory towers <laughs> listen to this podcast. Of course, they're every single one of them does. And, and finally, before I let you go, we crack on. Any advice for others next season? Anybody, um, any... Well, obviously, it kind of links in with what we discussed already. So I've gone a little bit different on this question. I'm going to say my pick for next season is Luis Diaz. <laughs> oh, you've gone... Got he's the what okay, Diaz then. How much do you think he'll be in FPL next year? Oh, I can't see him be much different to what it was this year. What was he? Eight, eight point five? I think he was eight when he came in, I think. I think he was eight. Yeah, I think probably around there. Probably around there. I mean he didn't he's not performed, has he? He's not scored. But that I mean he's performed, but he's not scored. He's not really got the points. So but that's all that's missing. He's performed better than anybody in the Liverpool team since he's come in. And I think a summer off practicing his finishing is going to be a different level next year and I how think he'll they, be our best, our best attacker next season to be honest how do they calculate the price hikes and the price changes is that all based on points per game or is it just um... it's mostly based on returns normally right. um, so for example like someone like Son was 10 million at the start of this year but he's done two 200 point seasons back to back I mean if he's not 11.5 12 million at the start of next year I'd be shocked um, what did uh, how many points did Lewis Diaz get? Because he came in January, didn't he? So he's. I don't know. Let's have, a, let's, have a, let's have a look and and uh, and, and take a gander at. Um, but let's see at Liverpool in terms of. Is he even on that list? Did he yeah, get there? Undercater. Oh, Undercater. Oh, okay. oh, there he is. Yeah. So he got sixty-four points total. Well, like yeah. this. This is going to be one of the interesting things. So he came in at the same time as Kulazewski, and Kulazewski got ninety-nine. So yeah, good shot. Kulovetsky played a lot more than any, I think. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, when we look at prices, Hulu mm. came in at what was it? Was it six mil? Came in, Kulu? Yeah, ridiculously yeah. cheap. So um, in terms of, I'd the be price, surprised if Diaz went any more than eight million for next year. He's only been in the Premier League for half a season. I think. I, think I mean, if, if if Luis Diaz is eight million next year, then I think Adrian's right. It's going to be a must-have. 100%. I think it's yeah. been a must have for a lot of people anyway at the end of this season, aren't they? So I agree with that as well. Yeah, I've had him in one game and he, he scored it, to be fair. Yeah. So mm-hmm. especially, if well Mane's, especially if Mane's going, there's that less rotation risk, isn't there, going forward, regardless. Yeah. He, he, really plays, he plays game in, game out next year. I mean, Jot has yeah. not, not looked up so much in the last no. few weeks. Um, Salah will be back and, and I guess you've got Firmino to rotate, but yeah, he plays game week, week in, week out next year. That was ridiculous, isn't he? Like, just when you, look, when you look at his numbers. Sorry, Scott, go on. Go on. No, you're all right. I just added the last question for AD. That was all. No, 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 go ahead. It, it, just with Salah's, so fifth season in a row over 200 points, 303, 259, 233, 231. This is his second best ever season. He's just Probably an absolute... in 2014, 15, didn't he? Oh, no. Bloody Mourinho gave him that one game. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, Scott. No, go on. Uh, yeah, last, no, just, last, just last a question for, for someone that's obviously absolutely smashed it this year. Um, you know, we have a lot of casual listeners, including myself and Tom. I know we're casual fantasy football players as well. Um, I think some people look at this and go, oh, you know, God, what do I need to do to win? What is your typical, you've got a Saturday deadline. Mm. How much are you worrying about fantasy football during the week? Are you doing what I'm doing? Turning up to a podcast and then doing your team Saturday morning. Um, to be fair, this year I was buzzing off it, I can't lie. Like I was doing well, so I saw the Instagram I was, messages I was so, yeah. on it all the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and to be fair, I, the podcast helped. Like listening to this, 
was decent and it kind of kept me thinking about it throughout the week coming out midweek if you get me so I think yeah I was doing it all the time and what I normally do is when I'm watching say soccer Saturday is actually do my team for next week just in case I forget it like set my captain set my team don't make a transfer but I do my team like set the lineup then um just to if I do forget it I'm not too bad so yeah that's kind of a tip um but when did you do your transfers? Yeah. When did you, like when did you do them? Like um, it depended who it was. Um, like I had a, a bit of a stinker. I brought Son in for the first time, and he got injured that week. So yeah. I remember your mess- you messaged me about that, didn't you? You messaged yeah. me. You went bloody Son. He either yeah. has COVID or gets injured. Yeah. And I was like, well, it's just he's Sonny's, but he's been again one of the only players. One of the I think he was the only player this season to be in the top 10 players for points total in the first half and the second half. Just so yeah, consistent, he was, Son. He was good, yeah. And I got him in for the last half at the right time, uh, alongside Kane, which goes against everything I believe in, but kind of taking that personal side out as well and just committing to who's performing, unless it's Ronaldo. Of course. Forget Ronaldo for you. Um, well, thanks for joining us, Aid. I uh, really, uh, really appreciate you taking the time out to spend that, that 15 minutes that was. Um, Welcome. And the, the first ever All In Football podcast champion. So. Uh, thank you. Thank Alex you Alex will be, I'm sure Alex will organise a trophy and it'll I would be on its so. way around. <laughs> I would hope so. It'll take pride of place on my mantelpiece. I think we're all waiting for our uh, Manager of the Month trophies still there. So. <laughs> <laughs> Are you waiting to win one, win one, Alex? Is that what we're waiting for? <laughs> I, I, I think I think one of the things. That's when we'll start. What I will what I will say is I don't think you won one, Adrian. Did you? A manager of the month. Didn't win a single one, and I wow. also finished second in another in a money league as well, and didn't win a single manager of the month in that either. Wow. So the, the, I was the, pretty the, gutted, but but the consistency on that, you had twenty three green arrows, and for a guy this season out of thirty eight, and for a guy that finished in eleven thousand one hundred eighty sixth in the world. You, it's it's pretty mad how consistent you went up. So 23 green arrows, for example, Gabad 19, Tom, you only had 17 green arrows this season. But like for, you had the same amount of green arrows as Scott, and you were so obviously mm. so much further the league from like week one. And you still managed to have the same amount of green arrows, which is and you finished the season, your highest rank was at game week 32 was 10,652. That was at the end of the game week. Mid-game week, you might have been higher at one point. Uh, I was. 8,000. Yeah. Um, at 10,650, but you ended up finishing the season at 11,186. You kind of peaked at the right... You kind of just constantly went like that all season. Yeah. One thing, I had an absolute stinker. It must have been like game week 34 or something. It was when Baz beat me in the cup, actually. Um, <laughs> so I also got knocked out by the winner. Oh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I got like 33 points. something. I think the top four in our league as well got really low um, but aside from that, that yeah it was going it was going well and I was pretty good about that week but no but uh, but yeah thank you very much you were above average 37 times out of 38 as well that was the other one that was the other statistic that I was ah, trying to figure out that other game week was the the one I wasn't above average literally other game week 34 you were above average every week but yeah, hey, one, yeah. thanks ever so much for joining us and uh, I'll let you log off and uh, we will carry cool. on chewing the fat so thanks very much and congrats Cheers, again guys. Well done, Bye. So, boys, we'll carry on by um, having a bit of a bit more of a chat. I think through like 
players this season um, a bit more position wise, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll go we'll go through it that way. Um, he's buzzing, isn't he? You know, you know when you're doing really well at fantasy, you just check it all the time, don't you? Because you're like, it's just going well, and you just it's so excited about it. Was right, Scott's like, yeah, I just check it on Saturday morning. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll roll. I'll roll. Um, top performing keepers: Allison, Larice, and Edison. Shocker. Um, but only 30 points out of Jose Sarr, who probably offered some of the best value. Fabianski was one of my surprises. He got more points than Ramsdale this season. Um, Ramsdale, I think, is an interesting one, isn't he? Because he just... It was like that mid-patch of the season, that middle third where he just racked up point after point. I, I, that's when I had him in, and then I brought in Sarr, I think, when I used my wild card, and blah, 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 Schmeichel. But Ramsdale in that middle third of the season was just on fire, getting so if many you, points. If you started Saar, then went to Ramsdale, you were cooking, weren't you, at the start of that season? Because Saar was mm-hmm. brilliant at the beginning. And like you say, Ramsdale was the one, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. It's um, it's amazing how that how that works. And that's one of the things I, I wanted to mention about, you know, different ty- timings in the season. You, you think about a player like Bernardo Silva, who in the first half of the season was insane. He got like 95 points in the first half of the season. In the second half, he was nowhere near. And so much of this game is about is is about timing from jumping from from one player to another um but what i will say is with goalkeepers when you if you get a value when you stick to it you know when you're building your team for next year you go a five million and a four million if you get lucky with a foster player or a couple of 4.5s because the value you know ramsdale didn't even play all the games he got only got 41 points less than allison and they're like one of the best defenses in the league the value once again isn't there in keepers um to to invest too much money into them. It's not like defenders where the difference between a 4.5 and a 6 million is ridiculous. Um, but that's my lesson that I've just repeat, I've repeatedly learned is don't waste too much money on keepers. Um, I think that's kind of it, really. Keepers, isn't it? I don't want to entertain anything else. It's boring. Uh, boring, boring bit. Yeah, boring get out of the way. <laughs> now, defenders, now talk about not being boring. It, this. this this was the year where, as we've been through some of the stats already, where big at the back became the thing. And it's never really been like that before. It's pretty much always been like a get you three. You have three big hitters if you want them in defence, but you'd never have fours or fives. It'd always be then going three, five, two or three, four, three. That was always the formations really previously. Um, and defenders this year, obviously Liverpool, just Liverpool classically up there, Trent with 208, Cancelo with 201. Which is fantastic from him. Robertson with 186, Van Dyke. And got to be fair play to Matip for staying fit and getting played. I think Klopp's managed Matip phenomenally this yeah. season. Him and Kanate rotating has just been perfect. When you've Matip's got someone like, it's just, I mean, when you've got someone like Kanate, you can bring in over for Champions League games and Cup games. It makes life a lot easier than not, you know, sticking a dodgy looking Gomez there. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Matip's been super impressive this season. I've had him in the fantasy draft all season, and he's got me a lot of points in that. And uh, Laporte, City always do it. They always have a centre half that plays a lot. Um, but when you look at the, the the team at the back, you know, it obviously, it just shows the the couple of anomalies in here, which will which we'll go through because obviously you've got Liverpool, City, and um, Chelsea, who have the three best the three best teams in the league, three best defences. Absolute shock horror. Rudiger played more games than James. But obviously, James is points per match. Rudiger. James has got nine points less than Rudiger. And Rudiger played like double the matches. Like <laughs> so stupid. That's how explosive James is. But a player like Matty Cash, 
interesting. He's going to be someone who might even be a shout for next season already. He ended at 5.3 or probably be 5.5, but I thought the start of next season. Um, but in terms of minutes, incredibly consistent in terms of how much how much he played and had little phases where he was really, really quite explosive. Um, but yeah, someone like Cash, I don't know if you if you think about him as well um, as, as, as an option. Gabriel was a shocker to me. I didn't realise that he got that many points. 146 points. Sorry, I'll zoom back in on that. 146 points for Gabriel was like crazy high. Um, and then Connor Cody at 138. But defenders, my biggest mistake this season was was not being flexible enough. Then I'm talking about, you know, get up on defenders. I was too stuck in my ways of 3-5-2 and 3-4-3. And I just couldn't bring it bring myself to get stick five at the back and stuff. And I don't really know why, because evidently these, these are the players that have done the best all season. Again, sorry, I'm, I know I'm waffling on a little bit, but I do want your opinions on this. But to put it into context, only Salah and Son got more points than Trent Alexander-Arnold. And only Salah, Son and Bowen, this is midfielders to defenders, by the way, because um, in fact, I think it, that's still still right. Um, but only Jared Bowen to throw in there at 206 points um, got more than Cancelo. Like it, defenders absolutely smashed it. Mane got 183 points, same as Van Dyke. It just, but yeah, boys, takeaways on from defenders for this season. Your approaches for next thoughts on this. Uh... Yeah, I think you mentioned my formation was 4-5-1, so I feel like I was always comfortable having four at the back. I don't like the idea of having five. I think that's too heavy. But um, I think it's similar to what AD was just saying about I'm not a big... I don't like having forwards. Like I'll be honest. I think that, you know, you get... I know you get the four points for a goal. You've got all those options of attacking returns. But unless there's someone who is really on fire, I just think you end up with... If you put three up front, you're just closing yourself off. You've got multiple options to points in defenders. So you've got the clean sheets, you've got the assists, you've got the goals. So I'm pretty comfortable having four personally. I think my takeaway would be probably just being a bit bit smart with some of the decision-making. You know, I should have seen what was happening with the Trent Robbo switch and maybe made that move. You know, I held on to James a bit long. Sometimes I was a bit rash bringing defenders in. That's just like, I'm going to bring that wing back in for, because I, you know, they, I think they're going to do well. I didn't really think through the games that they had and that really killed me a couple of times. So uh, that's probably it for me. I think on that one. It's, it's uh, just before I come to you on it, Scott, if that's all right, um, Arsenal, this is Reese James, by the way, and I'm not going to read them all, but Arsenal with 18 points, then it was another seven game weeks and then he had that three four weeks which was ridiculous 13 21 7 and 12 and then he didn't get another double digit return from game week 12 to game week 28 i don't get me wrong i mean like he had a couple of returns in there but only two actual returns for game week 28 where he got 18 points and then actually for the rest of the season he had 12 7 7 to finish off and that was it i think I think looking at that is when Reese James, when Chelsea have got a good run of fixtures, bring him in because looking at them teams that he's hauled against, <laughs> they're not scary teams this season Norwich, at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Norwich, yeah, Leicester point. when they're running for Leeds, Watford, mm-hmm. Arsenal yeah. at the start of the season when they was not good. Newcastle game week ten, yeah, not good. Newcastle game week ten, 
So I think Reese James, I think that what we get scared about is Reese James is because he can re- return a 21 point haul, isn't it? Uh, and things like that. So yeah, I think, I think the takeaway from me is yeah, I probably not, I'm, I'm a bit too scared about putting defenders in, I think. Um, even though, like I said, a lot of the value this well not a lot of the value, a lot of the points this year are coming from the from the defenders themselves. Um I think one of the things I learned over the last year and two as well is if you're gonna put defender in, put an attacking wing back in because you've got them assist points. Don't get me wrong, you've got don't get me wrong, if you've got a team scoring a lot from corners and you think, do you know what Liverpool's scoring a hell of a lot from corners at the minute, I might just throw a mat up in there. Because you know if they're getting a lot of corners and it's working for him, but you're you're better off just putting in a you know you know a wing back because Matip's not going to go on ridiculous runs and score against Leeds every week, is he? So no. I think that's interesting again that you say that, Scott. Because I what one of my bit my takeaways from this season was that like a couple of players that really snuck in there were. Like obviously Laporte, Rudiger, because they were just good defences and there were centre backs, obviously Matip and, and Van Dyke again. But Gabriel in there, Cody, Dyer, Thiago Silva, obviously Alonso, and then Anderson, Gehi, Jansen on the list. Like a lot of these players are not attacking wing backs, but then got really quite decent. I think one of the problems we had this season was that there weren't massive amounts of alternative attacking wing backs compared to just the top teams. The top teams were so far ahead in terms of attacking wing-back returns compared to everybody else. It was it was almost mad. Like um, When you look at the rest of these, you actually go from the top, like Rudiger 150, 160 Laporte, 170, 183, 186, 201, 208. Like they're so far ahead. Like Trent, compared to Diaz, 67 more points than him. Like, yeah, I, I suppose when I look at these these players in this top tier, what I see consistently through those centre-backs is they start every game. Yeah, Those are centre-backs that play every single game for the clubs that they're at. So Gabriel, when he's fit, he plays. You know, it doesn't matter. Arsenal didn't have Europe, you know, he's playing every game. Cody, it, you know, they could have loads of games going on. Cody's playing every single one of them. You know, he's not being rotated. Dyer, when he's fit, generally plays for Spurs, you know even like Diaz and Laporte were pretty solid in terms of lack of rotation. You know, Elf City was a minefield for rotation, but you kind of knew that Diaz and Laporte were pretty much going to play every game. So I think when you're looking at, you know, you've got the attacking wing-backs, they've got more risk of being rotated, but then the centre-backs are going to play and get you. I guess if you look through those centre-back scores, there'll be lots and lots of sixes for clean sheets or maybe a goal here and there. But actually, the points are much more spread out, whereas Eurice James has only played 10 games all year and he's got 150 points. You know, it's it's one of those things where you've got consistency versus the explosive capacity of wing-backs. I think, yeah. I think, as, I think as well, Alex's point was very good. I think Liveramento was well not. We had, we had him, it was this season we had Liveramento in, right? Or was it last yeah. season? Yeah. Last. yeah, we had Liverman. Yeah, we had Liverman. Oh, no, yeah, 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 right. yeah. And then he got yeah. a bad injury, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that was one that that was your value there for a long time. And then in previous seasons, we've had um, I know Nelson Semedo for one was a mm. was a great player that we had in, and uh, you had Marcel and Markel this year, didn't you? So yeah. there is there's certainly been, but there's not that budget 
Like, I think Liveramento was the budget option at the start of the year. That's why everyone was like, yeah, I'm on it. And he was doing well. He was looking good. He was winning penalties, etc. But, I mean, when we talk about fantasy football, and I think it's quite personal to you, for me, when I watch, when I, the re, one of the reasons I play fantasy football is so I can sweat my player in a game. I watch pretty much every live game on when it's on. And I'd much rather sweat attacking fullback where they're going to be in the game a lot more than that one chance maybe from a corner that my centre-back might have. So that's what it means to me. That's why I would much rather go for that. Saying that, I put yeah. Ben Davison, who plays in the back three. What a stupid decision that was. It's but a good he, point, Scott, because also with the centre-backs, they probably only get in a couple of goals a year, max, realistically, unless they've had an, un, an insane season. And so most of the time you are, again, it's that single versus double benefit for me. You know, midfielders, you get the extra point for a clean sheet, you get the extra point for a goal. Strikers, you only get the attacking option. It's almost like centre back to the, you know, the defensive version of a striker that you almost, 90% of the time, you only get the defensive option. Whereas with the wing backs, you've got potential for defensive returns, potential for attacking returns. It just makes it that little bit more, you know, you're covering all your bases. So, okay, Reese James might concede, but he might go score two down the other end if he plays. Oh, I agree. I think it's um, a good good breakdown. We'll go, we'll go to midfielders. We'll we'll have a, we'll have a look at this. We'll we'll try to keep it moving. So I want to want to cover off the uh, some of the awards at the end, um, and obviously that'll be uh, based on a few of the things that we've we've covered here as well. Uh, but the main man, the only man that broke the uh, team of the season, um, if you put everyone together in best performance, was Jared Bowen with the uh, two hundred and six points. I mean, he won't be six point five next year. <laughs> Um, I can't believe he's in it. I mean, I can believe he's in it 6.9. So he got up to like 7.2 and then came back down. But fair play to Bowen. Son's consistency this season was insane. Salah's minutes per minutes per point when he played, um, he was in the he was obviously first in the first half of the season and he was in the top 10 for the second half of the season. Just phenomenal seasons for Salah and for Son. De Bruyne, classic. He's in there again. He does when he's fit, he plays for City and he delivers. Mane will always deliver good numbers. If you're looking at set and forget teams or doing drafts for next year, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, playing draft, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having Mane and players like that. Ma- Madison, 181 points. I mean, the man had an amazing end to the season to propel him up there. But like I said, on when AD was here, you know, he, he was in top 10 for minutes per point when he played um, in both half of the season, all season, he was amazing. Saka, classic. And then we get down to the Jotters, Mounts and Sterlings. And James Ward-Prowse, just a quick mention for James Ward-Prowse because I kind of have a soft spot for him. Um, he will just constantly deliver you half-decent point returns. But this uh, last two seasons, 156 points last season. Um, and then this season, 159 with his best ever. Just chips away, doesn't he? Just does well. Set pieces, that'll do it. Um, midfield takeaways. I, I actually don't think there's I don't think there's that much that we have to learn this season, really. Um no, because if you look at that top four, it's Salason. I know Bowen's in there, but you're always gonna have one player who breaks through. It was Bowen this year, but Salason and De Bruyne are in the top four. I don't think there's much that I look at there and think, wow, that's crazy. It's about having. And this is where it this is where it really comes down to. Obviously, you have your, your your premiums, and you can't faff about in and out with them having in and out every week. You can't. So you've kind of got to pick whether you go with a two premium midfield or a one and then a mid price, but and then go for try to get some more value players around. What I 
but what I take away from this, I take away pretty much every single season, is that if you can, and this has been really hard this year because a lot of money's been at the back, but we haven't had that much money up front, but is to go two premium in midfield and then it then then the rest it comes from around the rest of the points come from around can you get a 6.5 bow and a, a 6.5 saka you know can you then get a um well a zaha rafinha even like a trossard can you catch those guys on form and again this is what we said at the beginning of the season podcast episode one that's that area of the midfield is where you'll spend most of your time making transfers during a season I don't. I don't think I've learned anything other than that. Really, uh, I think, that, that I was think the right thing. The time. The timing on that one. Like I say, I know. Did you as well, Alex? I know Tom obviously went Berahino at the start of the season. He was the start of the season on Flames, and then jumped on Bowen. That was the move. Whereas people like me jumped on Berahino too late. Jumped on Bowen too late. Um, was already sort of playing catch up. Yeah, probably from like week well seven ish, wasn't it? That he's. Done really well. Bowen didn't score till week seven. He got two yeah. assists the week before, but yeah, you, you, you're totally right, Scott. And that's where when we had this conversation about if you were chasing and catching up, you almost need to sort of write off what's happened and, and just try and predict and look forward a little bit more because it's hard. You know, I did this with Ben Rama. I brought him in game week three. I missed the first two game weeks. I missed all Ben Rama's points, but I got Antonio's. Um, One thing I will mention just to finish this off. Sorry, I'm surprised how. Poor Foden did points wise this season. I'm I'm too, um, and I actually think he had a really good season as a player. Felt like he did. But this is where it's gonna be weird if he's gonna be classified as a striker next year. By the way, what I'd say in Foden's defence is, with the exception of De Bruyne, who is just always involved in everything, you would get rotated City, and anyone you know anyone can score anything there's a reason that no city player is ever anywhere near Salah or Son in terms of the goal scoring numbers so I didn't feel I mean, like he got rotated Salah will be did he get rotated that much well but even like Foden I think he yeah. got like throughout the year yes I would I don't know if you've got his someone that... I guess my point compared to Bowen who will have played I would have, I would assume oh, yeah, almost yeah. every game when he was fit Foden will play 60 minutes and go off. You know, the sub appearances will be short. Uh, but sorry, he'll get subbed off earlier at City rather than later. You know, it's not going to be like he's left on for 84, 85 minutes. He'll, he'll go off at 60 and give someone else like a, a proper run out. So I think I think for me, what I was surprised at is a Sterling 163, Foden 137, because they've probably been rotated the same. That was yeah. Not. Yeah. In, mm. terms of, in terms of appearances, I think probably Foden might have played a little bit more. Um, when I looked at them as before, but it was the one thing I have noticed about Foden this year, and he's been great, but he doesn't like he's not that turned. I, I don't see that clinical edge to him yet, which is strange because he's really good in attacking positions. I think when you see Haaland come in, he's gonna, I think you'll see his assists go up because he gets into those areas where actually he puts the ball, he gets really deep right to the byline, he's cutting passes back and stuff like that. And he's got a striker like Haaland on the right space at the right time I think he'll get a lot more assists he can finish Sterling's I know Alex will tell you every day long that Sterling in big games doesn't show up but he has got better at finishing generally over the years he's still not brilliant at it but he, he has got better I think Bowden's just that's the bit that's missing from his that clinical edge at this point he gets into positions but um, in terms of finishing I think that's probably where the gap is for me Sterling Sterling plays and scores against uh, Norwich, Everton, Watford, Wolves, <laughs> Newcastle, Leicester, 
Brentford, Norwich, Burnley, Newcastle, and Wolves. Because that is and what you Sterling. And you've just offended every fan of all those clubs by saying they're not big clubs. And they are not. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of where they were at, that's what that's still that's what Sterling does. And that's why he's not a fantasy option like often enough, because you've got to bring him in and out, and he's too expensive. But he's too expensive because to be fair to him, he always delivers points. Every season, he does the same thing. Uh, he, he's got two, 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 nine, two, three, seven, two, four, one, five, four, and then this season he got um, one, six, three. He always delivers like one fifty plus scores, and sometimes over two hundred. Um, so he was never going to go down in price, <laughs> but he just can't. He can't get him in, which is also yeah. a good thing for Foden. I think Foden again might end up being another bargain this year, but we say that every year, don't we? Um, and I think just looking at that list that you've got there, I don't know how many players are on the screen. Maybe twenty. And actually, although there's not, you know, De Bruyne's the highest City player, I think there's more City midfielders in that top 20 than any other team, just by looking at it, because you've got Gundogan, Rodrigo, Mares, Foden, Bernardo, Sterling, De Bruyne, you know, that's seven, probably in the top 20, and they're all from City. And that just shows you how, you know, they're very different. In Liverpool, it's normally Salah, Mane, Jot, you know, it's a forward scoring goals. In City, because they've not had a out-and-out strike this year, obviously Jesus playing off the wing and stuff like that. It's all spread through the midfield, but it's not just one midfielder, it's all of them. And that's partly due to rotation and partly due to the way they play. Yeah, it is, and again, I think the, the takeaway for midfielders, again, is it's just going to be the same thing next year. Get on your premium, stay on them, try and get the form, and then just you've got to faff around with the form and fixture for the other for the other sort of three midfielders. Um, if you're going four five one, for an example, um, this is a fun <laughs> list, isn't it? It's a joke, isn't it? It's an absolute joke. Strikers <laughs> this season, and do you know what's more of a joke is when I look at my second most common formation that involves three forwards. Yeah. I just why am I why am I 114k in the world at the end of this season? This is the reason why. So. Um, Harry Kane, 192 points. Ridiculous second half of the season. He's unbelievable. Second half. Um, first half, horrendous, uh, to be honest. Uh, Ronaldo, sporadic as anything. And then the, the man, the myth, the legend, Timu Puki. It sleeks into third place for, the, uh, for strikers. Antonio, Tony, Dennis, Vardy, Watkins, Richarlison, Jesus, St. Maximan. God. How Antonio has managed to stay in the top four after getting all his points in four game weeks on that. <laughs> like the first four game weeks, he was talking about like golden boot. I remember he was doing all like his film celebrations and stuff like that. I was loving it. And then after like I can't remember, it was like game week six or game week seven. He like didn't score for like 20 weeks or something. It was ridiculous. It's mad, and someone like Emmanuel Dennis up there with 134 points. If it, it I, I, he when he played, he seemed to get points. He seemed to return okay. Um, Vardy and Watkins both had a bit of inconsistent. I think uh, I think Watkins was injured actually that much. I was going to say he was injured. Uh, Vardy Vardy was, uh, and that's mm. that screwed him over. But he was one of those players on form. If you got him for that that form period, remember was it? Uh, let's have a look. It was like he got 12 points against Norwich, but then he got eight, 11, eight, and eight all in a row and if you had him at that period you did really well and then he got injured for a while but generally speaking he he, he returned he obviously got lower minutes but when he played at the end of the season 13 13 2 and 10 he delivered quite well i'm really hopeful vardy gets a little price drop next year mm, been... yeah well that ends of the season is going to screw that price yeah. drop over isn't it I was hoping it'd be like an eight and a half, nine million striker, eight and a half ish or something, but I think he's going to be 10 again, isn't he? Yeah, maybe 9.5. You never know. But yeah, I think if that 
end of the season didn't come, he would have been. But yeah, what an end to the season. Wow. Absolutely. Him, uh, him and a Madison little double next year. I think that could be in a lot of teams if they've got a good start to the year as well. I agree. Um, I think my main takeaway from forwards uh, this season is actually more again about getting stuck in my ways and mm. form and fixtures. I, if they're not showing any form, it doesn't matter about fixtures. Like generally, just don't. Yeah. They're not showing any form. They're not very. They're not doing well enough. They're not doing good. You can always be fearful of Ronaldo, but you know, twelve point five. He was at. You know, you can't get too scared of the occasional hat trick. It's just the way it's going to be. Just the way it's it like, is. It's like we said. Don't fall in love with the green. Don't be scared of the red. That's mm-hmm. that's something I used to do a lot. Oh, he's got all these green fixes. Yeah, but he's he can't kick a ball. Yes. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. Yeah, and I would say one for me is I think it's similar to what Tom said. Midfield, oh, it might have been AD. Midfield is doing so well this year. Why well, am I still going with like two decent strikers and a Dennis? Like yeah. it was ridiculous. I need to, and I'm a sucker for putting at least two up front. I need to just go walk front if midfielders are popping and like just because that's where your money's at, isn't it? Yeah. That, exactly that. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's no surprise that Kane and Ronaldo are the top two, but their point tallies are rubbish. Uh, well, sorry, Keynes isn't rubbish. 192 is not rubbish. Ronaldo's at 159 is rubbish. Like Kane's so far ahead of everybody else. Uh, it's 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 just it's just been mad. What an absolute shambles of a season for Zdraniker. Uh, the one thing I will say is Kane's always going to be up there. So you know he's going to do the same thing again next year over the course of the season, as long as he doesn't have a major injury. I think Man United, nobody expected them to be, you know, quite as off it as they have been this year. So, and Ronaldo still managed to get 160 points. You know, there's games where he was getting two, three goals still. So if they start playing well again next year, Ronaldo might creep into those numbers that Kane's at, probably will. And then you're going to add into the mix like a Haaland. So I think, when I guess what I'm going with there is I'd like one at the top. I'm not making a case to having more. I'm just saying I like having one at top and just going for the premium option because actually you get sucked into some of these players and then you're having to gamble on rotation and like, is a player going to do well, you know, bringing them in for certain game weeks and you waste some transfers. Whereas if you've got one premium up top, you can look at, you know, your midfield, your defence and try and try and build a team uh, around those structures. But we'll say this and then you'll have five or six strikers that get 200 points plus next year. So... I uh, I agree, personally. I think, uh, you know, when we look at it now, yeah, one striker to start with the season next season. It's going to be really hard if Spurs and um, Spurs and City have really good fixtures, isn't it, to start with at the next, um, at the beginning of the season. But Kane, right, so I just, I just had a quick look. 147 of his 192 points came in the second half of the season. <laughs> I think it's... Mad. I, think it just, I think it just marries. Like, I was, I was listening to a conversation that um, they had a match of the day and being like, you know, what, what did... Salah finished on 23, him and Son, this year. Yeah, 23 goals, yeah. Yeah, you know, there were seasons where, you know, Shearer was getting 30-odd. But that's because the game's changed. The game, it's not all about, it's about these inverted wingers that come in, like your Salahs, your attacking midfielders that are getting sort of the goals and whatnot. So you, you, your strikers, is fantasy football, is just mirrored what's going on in real life. Your points right. are coming from your midfield. I absolutely agree. Um, I'm just uh, I've, I've had a message from Baz. He's, he's joining us in a, in a, in a couple of, couple of seconds. I've sent him over the link. So um, I wanted to just quickly touch on this quite quite quick fire in terms of the the awards. I wanted to to, to do, but obviously off the back of all of that, I think it's quite topical. Um, but the the best inferential pick you guys had this season. 
if you had, if you had to pick one player, who did you think was the one that that made you a lot of gains that no one else had? Mine is the first one, Ben Rama. Just at the start of the season, easy. It's the only one that sticks out to me. I'm like, okay, got cleared up loads of points for me really early. It was Ben Rama. Yeah. So. Scotty, do you have any differential picks which made you made you big? Big waves. I think Bruno captain was one that really stuck in my mind from you and that free hit. Uh, was it free hit? Is it the double game week? Benny, any others? Yeah, it was probably pretty Bruno. Um, I don't think so. I think the fact that I was playing so much catch up this season. Um, yeah, I think maybe I brought. I think I brought Mountain quite early on when maybe not too many people had him. I think um, I know when he scored four goals. I'm pretty sure not everyone had him that game week. So yeah, eventually yeah. Mason. Yeah. Yeah, the Norwich one was 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 a big deal. Um, yeah, no, no, fair play on that one as well. Um, I think for me, I got on Saka early. That was my best one. I was that was, I was on I was on him before anybody else was. Um, most frustrating player for you to own, uh, boys. Quick name. James. 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 Scotty was that James? Was James, but different James. James Madison. James Madison. Yeah, being on him at the right time was 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 a tricky one. Um, it was James for me as well, Reese James. I just he just didn't I had him for for one of his hauls and I just missed all of the rest of them and and um there it was dropped at the wrong time. Anyone you you sold when you shouldn't have done? I'm looking at you, Scott, for uh, the man you already mentioned in this uh, this section. <laughs> James Madison <laughs> and Mason Mount. And Mason Mount. <laughs> it's like both of them, wasn't it? At the end of the yeah. season. Yeah, Tom Mason Mount out in my last wildcard team, I believe it was. And then he scored like a hat trick and then James James Madison, I thought, you know, he's never playing both games in a double game week. Um, he's not done that all season. So I brought, brought him out my free hit team and he played both, returned in both. And yeah, fun and games. Tommy? Anybody you uh, anybody you think dropped him at the wrong time? Nobody sticks out. I suppose the only one I'd say is I took Kane out for some. And actually, I didn't need to take, take Kane out. Don't get me wrong, Son did brilliantly. And I actually had the right player out of two of them in for the end of the season. But having both was the right thing. As well. Yeah, having both so, was the right thing. Uh, yeah, and um, I, I don't don't blame you for that at all either. Uh, me, actually, it was Ollie Watkins. I had him at the wrong time. And then I dropped him and he scored in two games in a row. And I just remember doing that. I was like, how has he done this? What was against Man City as well? I was like, anyway, whatever. If I think about like annoying players in fantasy, the names that stick out are like Watkins, Madison, those players that just like, it's always like, they're always going to get points, but it's just getting them on the right, you know, getting them on the right week. And it's just, you start to really hate them. I don't know, you know, I don't hate... (laughs) I don't hate Reese James. I don't hate James Madison, but I just hate them in fantasy because it's like Watkins, you're always tempted to get him in. You're like, oh, but will he play? And then he plays and he scores. And it's always the same question. So, Did, did you have a, a worst captain this season? Obviously, mine was uh, <laughs> captaining Bukayo Saka by accident for when I missed the deadline, for um, which was which was pretty sad. Um, any, any bad captaincy picks? <laughs> Tom? You go Dennis one week and you got minus. Minus two. <laughs> no, no. Did I? No, I don't think I had him. You, you Did had I? You had him. Did I had Dennis that week. You definitely had Dennis. I remember our WhatsApp group was lighting up. Um, okay. so well, sure. to be honest, I don't. I think the one that I was going to say is actually, um, I think it was game last two game weeks. I had like, I can't remember one of them I got really wrong, but uh, that like lost me. I can't remember which one it was, but uh, 
Yeah, Scott, there was Scott, one where one near the end, which was bad. Scotty, any, any bad captains that really stuck out for oh, you? Oh, yeah. Who, uh, the other week, I said I was going to go for someone. I said I was going to go Cancelo, and Cancelo, I went Salah. Yeah. I didn't back it. But other than that, like you've said earlier, I've smashed captains this year. It's not been, I've not been salty about any. No, you did You did well, 29. Um, who's Who's been your hero of the season? Your biggest overperformer, your surprise, your hero, someone who you put in your team? Go on then, Tommy, go on. Emil Smith-Rowe. <laughs> he's, got, he's got to get a hero for me because, I, you know, I kept wanting to take him out and he kept coming off the bench and scoring. So, Emil Smith-Rowe. And also, just because if I didn't say that, I think Scott would really give me a lot of stick. So, it has to be Emil Smith-Rowe. Definitely. <laughs> Mine would be um, mine would be in Ketty. Jumps him at, at the right moment and he holds me pretty much. Yeah, no, 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 fantastic. And and again, yeah, maybe maybe Connor Cody for me, <laughs> just because I had my bench boost. He got that last minute goal, which was the most pointless goal ever, <laughs> and it ruined like some people. And yeah, I had him on the bench, and um, but it and it went really well. Uh, that's what I, I wanted to um, to mention to you before, um, and obviously. You know, Baz says it'll be five minutes. If you do need to shoot, Tom, no worries. I understand the uh, the situation that you're in. Um, it's not a terrible situation. You're only seeing your family. I know that um, makes it sound really bad. But terrible. But chips, chip usage of the season. There's a lot of talk about the the, the chips and getting rid of them and are they good enough? Are they not? Do they make it complicated? I, three, I really like them. I like the dimension that they add personally. Um, best and worst chip that you use this season. Um, I'll uh, I'll start with mine. Uh, the the best chip I used was the bench boost in game week thirty six. I was surprised how how little how many how little the amount of people had actually stuck with their bench boost. They used it up early when they knew thirty six was going to be a big game week. So that was a big one, and it was followed um, quite closely by the worst free hit I've ever done in my life. <laughs> that was terrible. The the game week the worst game week I've ever had. I can in recent memory of fantasy football's game week thirty seven. It absolutely annihilated my season, like from being in the top 100k. It was awful. I, I didn't have Vardy, Madison, Barnes, or Richarlison. And so I just I didn't get any of the big hitters and big returns of points wise. So yeah. Um and I, I tried at that point, I, I don't really regret it too much. I tried to be a bit different. That's all I tried to be. And it didn't end up didn't end up working out by a few players. But yeah, so 36 amazing, 37 terrible. Tommy? That's, that's just reminded me of what my worst captain was as well. It was, I went song in the early kickoff after we'd been talking for weeks about oh, yeah. not putting captains in the early of kickoffs. Course. And I should have gone Ricarlison. And if I'd done that, I'd have been right next to Jeff and maybe made some slightly different decisions. I would have captained Son in that last game week, which would have been the right, you know. So those little things just, that was the one, the Ricarlison one. That was it. Scotty, chippies? Uh, yeah, I, I love, I love. <laughs> I love the bench boost because that never comes off. And yeah, it did. Uh, my free hit was all right compared to yours. Um, the worst, <laughs> the worst one, I'm just looking back. I uh, panicked wildcarded in game week four, which oh, actually yeah. had a pretty good week by lots of things. Average point was 57. I got 73, but that's when I went brave and went Lukaku and Ronaldo up front. So long term, that did not work. And also, I've just spotted another player. That swanned off in January. That has got to be up there. My most frustrating players. He went off to Barcelona. Oh, Adama! <laughs> God, Adama. he was annoying to watch, wasn't he? I watched that Wolves game with you, oh. <laughs> and he was the most Traore I've ever seen Traore be. 
he was like we spoke about Traore a lot in the early podcasts as well like he was always getting talked about as an option yeah. Yeah, he was. It, and this is where statistics just you, you, the eye test key. And yeah, biggest biggest takeaway for me this season, um, I, I think you know to to finish on those before um, hopefully Barry joins us. If not, we'll do it. We'll do it separately. Don't worry about that. But um, if the biggest takeaways for me being more flexible in terms of my formation. Oh, here he is. He just entered the waiting room. That was perfect timing. Um, <laughs> being more flexible in terms of formations um, it was 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 my key one. Um, and then I've just completely lost my train of thought in terms of other takeaways. But boys, your your biggest takeaways? And I'll come back to me on that because I've got to click on these things. Tommy, biggest takeaway from the season? Uh, I, I suppose my biggest takeaway is just you know, when you were actually, when we were going through some of the stats earlier, I think the one that stuck out to me was the amount of minus fours I'd taken. And I think that's sometimes because I was just making some knee-jerk decisions. And when I look at how AD's done this year, and I know some of it's to do with having the right players, so you don't have to make the transfers. But actually, if I look back at some of the choices I took on minus fours, they were just a bit, if you're going to take a minus four, make sure it's for a player you kind of know is going to start because I had a couple where I took a minus four and then the player didn't play. Like Alonso, perfect prime example. I was like, surely he's going to start. It's his last game of Chelsea. He's not even in the squad. So I guess just like for me personally, my takeaway is avoid the minus fours for short-term gains. Have a look at the next five games. It's the same as you would be a wild card. Tom, Scott, before I add that. Yeah, just really quickly from me. Um, take actually have a look at the teams and the God, like at the beginning of this season, uh, don't take too many week one gambles because you'll be playing catch up. I'm looking at you, Ianacho. Yeah, Ianacho for Antonio was a big one for you, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Yeah, that's tough. Um, right, I've uh, I've clicked clicked Baz in, so we'll do a quick five minutes on this, and then we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap up. Here he is, Bazinio. The as I, I think we've got the um the ch- we've got the champ the champ in the house. Oh, the champ's in the house. Hi, Alex. You're right. <laughs> all right, mate. How's it going? How's it going? The job, the first ever All in Football Podcast League Cup winner, Barry. Congratulations. Um, I've got um, I've got your cup run on the screen. If you can see it, can you see it? I can see it. Yeah. Perfect. Um, talk us through how it felt to win the cup final against Jack Alcroft of all people. How did how did, how did it feel to take the cup down? Um, amazing to be honest. Um, from second half of the season, I, I turned the screw a bit and started performing a lot better. I think since that minus 24, yes. that's all that, that was it, that was the game changer for me. And and obviously, I started seeing seeing the strength from the team because I always finish strong every season. I don't know why, I just do. I think I probably got more concentration in it, but it is one of them where I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to. To win it, it was I got a buy first on that obviously helped, and then to beat Adrian in, in the next rounds, I think that was that was crucial. Oh, the champion, the the FPL League champion, you exactly. knocked him out in game week thirty five. Yeah, so um, so that was quite that was a good one. Um, I think yeah, I think the quarter final, semi final, um, I I did pretty well. I think I used I used my my chips for that one, so. So they was quite handy. I had them in the bank. If not, um, it, it could have been anyone's. I think. Um, and then last of all, I think uh, as Jack Jack mentioned, the um, I kind of slow rolled him a bit with 
Castagna and uh, Martinelli, wasn't it? Martinelli. Off, off the bench. I think that was 16 points in total. Um, so, yeah, so that was uh, <laughs> quite quite fun because I was following it every uh, every step of the way, to be honest. So, yeah, it was it was it was great. Amazing stuff because yeah, the bench really paid off for you in the end to end up beating Jack. That that took overtook you. I think you were at three points behind, and the bench came on and did it. Um, and then yeah, knocking the champ. That, I think game week thirty five. I think we we said it was thirty four. Right? Game week thirty five. I think was the only game week of the season that Adrian was under the average FPL <laughs> score all season. That that's it's pretty mad. It's amazing. And then um, Dan Clark, manager of the month. Was he manager of the month for me? Was there? I just got, I just made that one up off the top of my head. Or was it you? I can't remember. But Dan, yeah. who had amazing, amazing um, run into the season. He was manager of the week last game week of the season. That's what I was remembering. Um, and then yeah, you've managed to, to really smash it towards him. What's your FPL experience? What's what, what have you what have you played in the past? Are you, are you a serial player? Um, probably been more serious in the last four or five years. Um, because I was more Sun Dream Team, that was that was it. I used to do Sun Dream Team all the time, but then obviously all my mates were going to FPL, so I thought right, I'll join the bandwagon. Never really took it seriously, and then the last two three years I took it more serious. Usually later on in the um, in the um, league, but because uh, majority of the time in first couple of matches, it's one of them. I just let it ride, let it ride, and then I look at league table and go. I'm miles behind. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, no, it, it, I've got to say that is one of the things, isn't it? When people, if you're not involved early and you keep up to it and you find quite a long way behind, it's somehow quite difficult to keep up to it. But what was the the biggest moment in the season for you? Like, because the and I, I was I wasn't going to ask you this question, but your second half was so good. Like, what? What was the what was the big moment? Was it the playing a chip? Was your wild card? Right? What, what what made you have such a good second half of the season? Touched upon it earlier. The minus twenty four. I mean, because my team was such a mess, I needed to do something drastic. And obviously, taking that massive hit, that's where that's where literally, as I mentioned, it was a game changer for me. I think from then that point, it'd be interesting to see what obviously my um, statistics were from from that. Since then, mm-hmm. I just. I just went strength to strength after that because the like as my probably mistake I did was I um, I took my wild card second week, so I basically took I got all the players <laughs> that, that performed really well in the first game, and then I was like I can't change this. I, I was struggling so much after that, so. I had to do something drastic, as I mentioned, up to the minus 24. Well, it, since the minus 24, which was in game week 15, you only had six red arrows after that, which, wow. which is which is just... like it, It's pretty, it's pretty, pretty, good pretty, pretty mad how good that is, <laughs> by the way. I, I've, not, I've not figured out your numbers, but I'd be interested to see if you had the second half of the season to give the first half. You'd be competing up at the top. Like, that's how good, that's how good it went. Yeah. In the second half, and actually, in terms of the amount of hits you took, relatively, relatively low actually after the minus twenty four as well. When you look at um, certainly, I was just running through the hits and the numbers that we took. Scott took seven, minus seventy two total this season. You know, Gav, who came second in our league, took minus sixty eight. You know that a lot of people took a, a lot of hits, and I know the COVID middle of the season didn't help with that, but yeah, just not not a lot of hits after. It seemed like you sorted your team out, and it went really well from there. Um, what uh, the biggest biggest mistake? Would it be playing your wild card early? Would you say that was your biggest mistake of the season? Well, then, yeah, 
<laughs> I didn't, I didn't have a, a starting eleven. I picked, and I thought, right, actually, yeah, I need to need to either start at start at the top because I'm not very good at chasing the pack. So I thought, right, I want to be up there in the top, and obviously, it failed miserably. Um, the your favourite player of the season and your least favourite player of the season, biggest troll. Well, I think everyone's favourite player was probably Salah, wasn't it? Yeah. My probably least captain player. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get manager every week and uh, every week he would just kept performing and performing and performing. So I thought, right, I've just got to follow the sheep. I've got to follow the trend. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to lie, me and Scott used to, on a Saturday, it would be, uh, who's Baz captained? Yeah. It used to be Salah, 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 James. <laughs> not for his holes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. Um, it, it was, it was the, I know, but that's the thing. I think sometimes people try others too hard to catch up. Mm. And, um, the minus 24, it's not something I've ever done, but it, it really did sort sort it out and, and, and get you right. I, th- uh, with- I think I was probably about 100 points ahead of Baz at one point, and he's literally finished the season like five, six points behind me or something. Like, I, one, one of the things I, I looked at Baz's team, and we kind of, again, chuckled about this, didn't we, a little bit, Tom, when we did the free hits, because we were all like, oh, we need salary and we need at least Trent in, blah, blah, blah. Baz just went, Nah, gonna get 15 double game week players in. I love that, and I was just like, Well, that's silly because Madison's not playing two games. Well, he bloody did, didn't he? And the best thing about that, he's got 113 points, and he's still taps in the wrong player. Danny Ings on three points. I screwed you over then. You listened to me on the pod, didn't you? Because I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it was either him or um, I can't remember someone, someone else, it might have been Vardy. And I thought, no, well, Ings has got a decent, decent running. I thought, well, I'm, I'm going to play him. Obviously, I did have Watkins in, and then obviously I, he was still amber, and I didn't hear anything on the when I was doing my research, seeing if he was going to be fit or not. And I thought, I'm transferring him out like a couple of minutes before it the um, it ended. So, so I could have had Watkins captain, and obviously that would have been obviously even better. But it's one of them, isn't it? Um. Just before I maybe hand over if any of the other boys have got any questions, but like, what any 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 bits of advice you wanted to hand to anybody who's listening to well, the pod for next season? I didn't, I didn't do the uh, least player. Oh, did I? oh, you did mention the troll. Go on, yeah, sorry. Go on. Uh, I think it's probably most most people's Dennis. <laughs> I got it. I, I got him in before he after he obviously did well. Obviously, he did really really well. Hit his peak, and then he was just doing two. And then I think I captured him in a double game week and he got sent off minus one point. Got brilliant. Someone else did that on this podcast, I think, Tom, even though he doesn't I, remember. I don't remember. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> I've obviously blanked that one out. I nearly triple captured him as well. <laughs> oh, imagine the scenes. <laughs> um, you know what there was? I'm pretty sure Dennis did get like 100,000 triple captains that yeah. week, so you would not have been alone. Yeah. yeah. I had back-to-back captain Josh King in two weeks in a row there that time. That didn't. That also didn't go very well. Um, we're a joke, aren't we? When we look back, how crap what's the were. We're jumping on them for captains. What we're we doing? People get people get carried away with double game weeks, don't they? Like yeah. it's just the way it goes with it. Um, but yeah, Buzz, any 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 advice, any tips you wanted to throw out there to uh, to anybody listening? The cup champ. Um, 
I think uh, Scott to respond this on one of his um, podcasts was don't look, don't concentrate on double game weeks, or don't concentrate on green, um, like obviously fixture difficulties because you go with informed players. End of the day, if they're informed, you've got to stick by them because obviously I've learned my lesson with with trying to think. Oh, Salah's Salah's form's going to finish. Salah's form's going to finish. No, it didn't. So my my differential captain just obviously didn't perform and obviously that I lost so many points from that um, and just I think for me personally I think I just need to be more more consistent and stop being sporadic with going for too many different differentials because that's what I, I, I was doing I was thinking oh well he, they haven't got them and he's, he's playing quite well he's got a few good fixtures coming up and I thought I'll, I'll, I'll get him in and then he was either benched or he got like two points, one point. I'm like, well, that was a waste. So I think since, as I meant to touch upon, I think since that minus 24, I played with with form players and I started to obviously look at it in a bit more depth to try and obviously claw back my um, reputation, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> it got dragged down a bit where I was like, Sandeep's beating me and he's he's not even playing. So, <laughs> so I had to pull my finger out, I think, because uh yeah, it wasn't it wasn't great from a streak had been uh, uh quite knowledgeable about football and it just I didn't get any of it from that. But hopefully I got some reputation from the back end of me, uh my minus twenty-four. So yeah, big no, big time, big time. Was Boys, any, any any other questions for Barry before we let him crack on? Because I know he's uh, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's had his tea or not. If he was going to eat his tea. <laughs> <I'd be laughs> oh, that's that's it from that's it from me. What one thing is how how do you get the uh, cherries to uh, go for a differential captain? Because sometimes sometimes it's right. I think a lot of the time you this season you'll admit yourself you should have just stuck with Salah. But there is occasions where the differential captain is one, but more often than not, none of us do it. Like I didn't ever week with Cancelo. How do you do it? How do you become brave, Baz? Tell me. You just you just got to you just got to stick him out. You literally just got to stick him out and, <laughs> and go for it. Um, it. It's one of them where you either die by the sword or you you fried by the sword. It, it, it's it's one of them, and and probably about eighty percent of the time I died by the sword. Um, hence my dad Ian's pick. Thanks for reminding me, Alex. Um, I did it too. <laughs> it was me as me as well. But yeah, it, it's one of them. You literally you've just got to think: is this guy in form? Is he playing a, a team that's not playing well, like a Watford or a Norwich? Is he going to probably get you enough points more than what Salah does? And and Salah's obviously consistency was unbelievable. Um, and it was one of them I was debating to get rid of Salah later on in the season and putting De Bruyne in. And obviously that would have worked out brilliantly. But I didn't have, I didn't get my cherries out with that one. I just, I, I kind of bottled that one. <laughs> yeah, but it, 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 it's hard. It's very difficult that though, to be fair, to, to, especially when you're dropping someone like Salah. That, that's, that's a, that is difficult to, to go with compared to anybody else. But, um, but yeah, difficult, but would have worked like you say. I dropped, I dropped Trent for the last four or five weeks. Yeah, and it, again, it, it worked out really well. He didn't have the best second half of the season in terms of numbers. Um, but, uh, but no, well, Barry, thank you ever so much for, for joining us. Very much appreciated. I'll let you log off. And congratulations to the first ever champion of the All In Football Podcast League Cup. Well done, Barry. Well done. So, well done. I'm going to run across the pitch now to celebrate like every other. Don't worry, 
I'm not going to head book Billy Sharp or anything like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> let's hope, let's hope not. Uh, but thanks, Barry. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Great. Cheers, Cheers Barry. Cheers, guys. Uh, Lads, um, that's it. That's it. I think we'll uh, we'll we'll wrap we'll wrap up there, shall we? Um, and I'll oh, go on, Tommy. Oh no, just readjusting. But I, oh, I, really? I, you know what? I, I was actually going to say while Baz was on because I was listening. We had AD on, and he's taken the fewest minus fours, and Baz has just been like, "Screw it, I'm taking a minus 24. And I was like, "Both of what they did, both of those decisions were correct." And I think it's just made me think. Do you know what? Don't be afraid of taking the minus 24, but also it's just, it's also situational on what your team's like, but I feel looking at his performance since he did that gives me a bit of confidence, actually sometimes just taking the decisive action, your team's not right, take the hits, get it sorted and look at how he did after he did that. So um, yeah, just interesting. It's always, there's no right answer, I suppose. It's definitely um, stopping the free fall is really yeah, important yeah. if you are free falling to, to do that. And then uh, the, the final lesson of the season, and this is the one I will leave, leave you all with, is that if you're going to be busy before the deadline, either don't get drunk and then not set your team and forget to put Bernardo Silva in, or start making your daughter tea and then miss the Friday deadline. Because this is the first season I've ever had it where I've missed two deadlines in one season. And I do a podcast on this thing. Like, it's just ridiculous. Um, guys, thank you ever so much for joining me this season. I really appreciate it. I love you both very much. I love everyone who listens to this podcast. Thank you, everybody who's taken the time to contribute to this, to like or share videos or subscribe to channels, etc., etc. Genuinely, really appreciate it. It's made this season incredibly fun for us. Um, and yeah, just thank you everyone who's tuned in and listened. Congratulations to Tom for winning that of the three of us this season. Congratulations to Jeff for winning our friends mini league. But most importantly, congratulations to Barry Stokes, son of a clitch, for uh, for winning the uh, podcast cup, and also to Adrian Chippendale for uh, the goat team, aptly named for winning the All In Football Podcast League. Boys, thank you very much once again, and uh, I will uh, I will sign off from here. Bye for now. Cheers, Alex. It's all right.